Ah, Larry, I'm so jealous, dude. Mm. Oh, look at that thing. I fucked it up a little, so it's okay. Ooh. Oh, Rich, we didn't mention to you yet. Uh, Larry and I are talking about brewing. We're talking about home brewing. We have some ideas. Nice. We have some ideas. Yeah. That is awesome. I won't give away. I don't want to give away too much, but we're, we're thinking maybe a porter. We've been talking about cool. a porter. Nice. I, whenever I'm like trying making something, I tend to go way too hard and too complicated for the first go. And so I won't yeah. let you do that. I won't let you do no. that. I can tell, Maddie, this is your first podcast and you've gone way too hard into this. You son made of it bitch. way too complicated. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Welcome to Liquid Bread. We're doing another taster. This taster is actually uh, suggested from a listener, our listener, Mike. Mike, thanks so much for suggesting this one. I thanks, told, Mike. I thanks, Mike. Mike. I told Rich that this was requested, and I know his eyes lit up. Oh, yeah. He loves the, the beers from the homeland. The beer is Orval. Orval. The homeland. The, the homeland. Wait, wait, which you were born in Belgium. Who's, who's, on, who's on Belgium? Belgium? Born, you're I lived born, in Belgium. Yeah. Born in Jersey. You lived in Belgium. That's enough. I did live in Belgium. It's a home, and it's a land. Oh, this smells so good. Thank you, Mike, because this is one of the best beers ever. I love this beer. I'm pouring it. So it smells much. so good. Also, I have a quick little story. I was when I was leaving Belgium. When I was I was in Belgium, did Rich's beer tour, and as I was leaving, um, I had packed a bunch of beer in my in my suitcase. And as the guy at the airport was lifting the luggage onto the conveyor belt, he kind of was. He was like, "Oh, this is, this is heavy." He didn't seem to speak much English. He's like heavy. heavy. He's like this is heavy, and he's like, "What's well, in here?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, beer." He's like, "Oh, you drink lots of beer." And it seemed like he was giving me a hard time, and he's just like, "Oh, what, what beer you drink? What beer you drink?" And that's like where I feel the pressure to like impress the guy from Belgium with like, "I hope I drink the right beer." And so I kind of went like too complicated. I tried. To, I it was like, "Oh, we had like cuvée de Ronk. I was like, "Oh, I did like Ur beer." Um, and he just like was like staring, which were delicious, but he was just like staring at me blank faced, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know, I had Orval." And he just go and he just pats me on the back, gives me a thumbs up, and puts the bag on the conveyor belt, and that was the one that did it. So Orval, awesome. so so that was why I was like, okay, the guy. It's a secret password. Yeah, the Orval was the one that allowed me to not get have to whatever pay. It's that's how you get through Belgian for, immigration. Yeah, they got <laughs> my beer Orval. through. Uh, the man loved Orval. Um, so that's yeah, awesome. so let's get let's get started with it. Rich, Larry, and I have already poured it. Um, yep. Why don't you talk about Orval? Okay, so Orval is famous as a Trappist beer, Belgian Trappist ale, and it is also famous. Uh, sort of within Belgium for being the weird Trappist ale. Uh, Trappist ale doesn't mean too much about, you know, exactly what flavors you're going to get and all that stuff. But um, but generally, Trappist ales are known for being kind of fruity, spicy, uh, usually fairly dry. So that means not a lot of sweetness to them. Um, but they should usually smell sweet. So um, Orval, though, is the tricky one, the one that's a little bit different from all those. So first thing you should notice when you pour it is it's kind of hard to fit in the glass because it uh, foams up so damn much, okay? It's a heavily, heavily carbonated beer. I shouldn't say heavily. It sounds bad. It's a highly carbonated beer. Uh, and it has a thick mousse of white, white foam, okay? But beneath that could be a beer that is sort of uh, kind of a burnished auburn color on the dark end, or it could be kind of lighter. It could almost be sort of a, a light orange in color. And the reason for that inconsistency is not an issue with the beer or, the, or how it's brewed. It's actually an issue with the age. So these beers age very, very well, and they evolve in the bottle, and they also uh, will date the bottle um, and so you should look at the neck of your bottle and look at the label and see what the date is. Keep in mind, it's written in sort of European uh, dating. So the day will come first and month comes the second. 18th and the month. The yeah, so, um, mine, um, yeah, what do you guys have? Mine's uh, September 2019. September mine, oh, 19. that's, oh, that's good. Mine is November 12th, 2020. Okay. So Maddie's, Maddie's is almost, uh, what, 14 months older than, than Larry's is. 
but Larry, you're you're drinking the younger one, and it's still seven or eight months since it's been brewed. Um, so this beer doesn't. Uh, it's kind of expensive. There's not a lot of it that's made, and it doesn't doesn't sell like hotcakes. Let's, let's put it that way in the U.S., um, even though it should. So where I'm going with this is it kind of takes a while to get to you, and it kind of it can sit on the shelf and age just fine. So having an aged version is really great. And in Belgium, the best bars will, will sell young Orval as well as aged Orval, and you can try them side by side. And, and there are a handful of bars in the States that also do that. Yeah, so fun fun little, I don't know, kind of facts about, about the, the, the brewery, the aging. But go ahead and uh, take a smell, take a sip, drink it up. And... Again, it's in that Trappist vein, all right? So what that means is that, is that they've used a yeast that produces a lot of fruit and spice aromas, okay? Mm. And so usually the fruits that we're talking about tend to be paler in color in something like Orval or a, a triple, uh, double in, doubles and quads. The, the fruits tend to be a little bit darker, but it's usually things like orange, apricot, maybe some bergamot or lime, kind of sharp, sharp, uh, pale fruits, maybe a little bit of... Um, uh, what else? Like some peach, uh, white nectarine, things like that. Uh, and then uh, maybe banana. Also. I was going to say, I feel like I get banana. I get like mm-hmm. pretty heavily Is, banana. Am I crazy if I'm getting like cinnamon? Well, no. So yeah, that's in the spice realm. So Larry, I, I like that very much. That's, ooh, I really like that because it probably means it's coming from Britannomyces, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, within the spice realm of, uh, of, of Belgian kind of Trappist yeasts, typically you get a lot of white pepper. Black pepper, sometimes clove, and kind of rarely vanilla. But every once in a while, you might get vanilla. With Orval, I think it's known for being super peppery. Um, just a hint mm. of clove. Definitely um, the peppery. pepper is there, yeah. The pepper is Heavy there. Pepper. Cool, cool. Yeah, and then uh, also um, some, some of that banana, orange. Um, and then this one is odd because you get a lot of apple out of it. And so I get like baked apple on, on the one I'm, mm. I'm sipping on here. And that... Um, I'm not entirely sure where that's coming from. It could be coming from the yeast. Um, it could be a combination with the multiple yeasts that are in there, as well as um, a little bit of that kind of toasted malt, that biscuity malt that's in there. But regardless, most uh, English ales have have an apple-y aroma, but most Belgian ales do not. Um, all right, moving on beyond that. We've talked about fruits. We've talked about spices. Let's talk about, uh, you guys want to talk about earthiness? You want to talk about bitterness next? Those are the other two big things we have to talk about. Let's go earthy. Let's go earth. All right. Cool. So sticking in the aromatic realm, we talk about fruit, talk about spice. These are things you smell, and then you can also smell a little bit of earthiness. And that is coming from Britannomyces. Okay, so Britannomyces is another type of yeast. Uh, we're talking about the Trappist yeast that's in here, but that's that's one species of yeast. There's another species of yeast um, that's in the Britannomyces g- genus. And this one is known for producing aromas of kind of gentle earthiness. All right. By gentle earthiness, I don't mean barnyard a lot of belgian beers are famous for that kind of barnyard aroma but the gentle earthiness i'm talking about here are things like just lightly cooked mushrooms or uh, wet leaves wet wool ever like worn a wool sweater and gotten it wet some of that wet wool note or dustiness like library dust walking around a cobwebby dusty library uh, maybe even sawdust uh, so just kind of interesting, complex, savory notes of earthiness that aren't outright like sweat and poop and things like that that you get yeah. in uh, certain lambics. Yeah, there's a musty, yeah, like a musty, mm-hmm. I, um, a musty old cabin. Taste. I feel like it's. I feel like it's a like a like there's a basket of leaves. Yeah, or, or like, like I, I mean, I really do. I mean, it's like it's just like a. It's just very. So two ways to go with that, Larry. One is one is dry leaves, 
and wet leaves, those are two different aromatics that are typically in there, but they're often summed up as forest floor. So it's mm -hmm. like walking through a forest on a, on a trail or hiking on a forest trail. Yeah. Um, that's a combination of like, you know, leaf, you know, dead leaves and oak or not bark and uh, dirt and things like that. But also think about that cinnamon. Do you still get some of that cinnamon note in there? Yeah, it's it, it, it yes, yes, yes. Cool. But, 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 but it, it's, it's, it's part and parcel of the same thing of that basket of leaves things. Like mm -hmm. I feel like it's, I mean, I mean this is going to be terrible. It's almost like someone had like a thing of potpourri that has yes. gone bad. Like okay. Potpourri has gone, you know what? Well, I'm not going bad, but it's like all of the oh. essence is gone yeah. and it's just yeah. kind of there. It's you like stale I mean? potpourri. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like that. I was going to say, I was going to offer a potpourri when you said basket of dry leaves plus cinnamon, that to me means potpourri. So potpourri is a heavily perfumed, uh, kind of woody, leafy spice blend, mm -hmm. and uh, or flower blend as well, and that is often uh, stuff that you can get. I mean, a lot of psalms talk about. Some of talk about that for wine. Potpourri is kind of an aroma that you get in uh, various wood types and various grapes. Uh, but for beer, you really wouldn't run into it except for something that's either heavily hopped for aroma, which this beer is not, or something that has Brettanomyces. So Brettanomyces acts differently in a lot of different situations. But one of them is to produce this kind of gentle spiciness um, coupled with a little bit of that wet leaf or dry leaf earthiness plus a little bit of smoke. So, Larry, are you getting a touch of smoke out of this? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Or maybe even like bacon fat or something like that. These are not like big, loud flavors. This shouldn't be like the, the no. primary flavors in this beer. But it's some of the, the alluring mystery that's, that's underneath this beer, the, the earthy suggestions. So really, I mean, this is a, I, I'm a, it's complex beer. I don't know if it's complex, but it's, 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 I, I don't know. It's just so, it's, it's just so, I, yeah. I, I mean, this, this kind of endomom, uh, not endom, sorry. That's not endomom, umame, the kind of umam. It's just very, I don't know. It's just very subtle and mm -hmm. soft on my tongue, but I'm getting a lot of these earthy, mm -hmm. wonderful flavors. Good, good. I'm I'm glad I agree with all with all that earthy and wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you you shied away from calling it complex. How would you know if it's a complex beer or not? Well, I, I just shied away because you know more about beer than me, and I didn't want to say it was complex. And you're like, that makes no sense. But like I, well, I'm trying to help you out here with this one. I know I'm just really appreciating this. This is mm -hmm. it's, this is kind of unlike anything I've I've had before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a unique beer for sure. I mean, literally every beer is unique, but this one is a special beer that's just really hard to hard to um, imitate. As for complexity, I like to to mention this to people because I think a lot of people that are trying to get into describing or getting to know their own palates and describing beer a little bit or describing food or whatever they want uh, is helping people understand complexity doesn't mean good or bad. It's not a judgment call. It's something where basically is there a lot of different flavors are, are there a lot of different flavors in a beer or in a wine or a, a bite of food you know vanilla ice cream tastes like sugar vanilla cream that's about it you know but if you add smoke what if you add salt to that salted vanilla ice cream what if it's smoked salt okay you're adding salt you're adding smoke what if it's like oak smoked versus uh cherry smoked or something like that and then what if you drizzle a little bit of uh, caramel sauce on there but instead of caramel it's miso caramel or miso butterscotch or something it's right? complex it's yes, complex exactly. this, is com this is complex you're cutting to the chase thank you Larry. yeah exactly so if people want to call something complex just think is there a lot of different stuff going on in there then it's complex if there's not it's not complex and it's not a judgment call it's not a valuation it's not saying it's good or bad 
But in this beer, I want Orval to be complex, and it is complex. Um, we're we're on the tails of a uh, an episode where we we're just talking about hops and bitterness. This beer is bitter. This is a bitter yeah. Belgian beer, yeah. and Belgian yes. beer is not known for overt bitterness. There's always some bitterness uh, from hops in a, in Belgian beer, which is important for balance to make the beer not just taste like candy and and fruit. Uh, but this beer has overt bitterness, and um, that's a fun thing about this beer. It makes it so that it's uh, it's it's almost like an acquired taste. It's not a beginner beer, and that bitterness mm-hmm. I really enjoy. It's a what, pro, what, what a pro beer. Taste like what, what would it taste like without the bitterness? Mine would just be it's, again the banana is the heavy heavy mm-hmm. hitter that I get. So see, that's amazing. I mean, it's it's hard to kind I, of separate the. Yeah, I'm trying to think the bitter. That's amazing, uh, Maddie, and maybe it's because yours is a little older. I, I'm not the banana is not what's hitting me, and it could be because I'm. I was just drinking this Le Chouf blonde, but I'm not getting a ton of banana. I'm getting like just raw earthiness, like just, hmm. just raw earthiness. Yeah, see, mine's like fruity. I think I get like apricot. That's awesome. It's a little bit of a wine note to it as well. Hmm. But to so, uh, to oh go ahead, Larry. So so the fact that we're getting different, like he, I, I'm not getting fruitiness at all. Mm-hmm. Is that could that be um, a result of the aging of the beer, or is my palate ruined from what I was drinking before? I think it's probably both. I mean, well, typically younger beers are going to produce are going to have more fruit. Uh, oh. You know, as they age, the Britannomyces is going to take over and continue to produce more of those earthy notes. So. Larry, that you're drinking the younger beer and you're getting more earthy notes is a little bit, seems a little bit, you know, odd, but you're also coming off of, of a shoof, okay? Got a it. shoof is just like, it's super fruity, super spicy, super light and breezy and fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your 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 palate is a little bit, it's working to adjust to, to the differences. What's different about the Orval, you know? So you, rather than noticing the fruit in the Orval, I see, I see, I see. all the, the different stuff. Maddie, what were you drinking prior to the? Orbit? I was drinking a tart. I was drinking a sour ale. Oh right, right, that's right. So maybe that's kind of why the banana. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more the kind of more. I don't. We we talk about sweet a lot. It's not a great, but like the that. <laughs> well, bananas bananas are rarely sour. Yeah, the the, le- the less tart right. fruits are really s- yeah standing out to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's just sort of it's a it's a palate thing. You're just adjusting to what's different. Something that that we do, you know, in in the professional tasting scene is try to control for some of these things is the idea of a palate cleanser is kind of kind of tough for beer. There are not a lot of things that really cleanse a palate after a beer. Uh, the carbonation in beer really is mm. something that's helpful. So every time you have a sip of a beer, the, its own carbonation should sort of, sort of scrub your palate clean. But if you want to reset your nose, smell something else. Smell something that's not your beer. And so no, Larry's drinking a little bit of water. That can help. But also water doesn't have a lot of aroma. So the main thing is reset your aroma. So smell, smell your sleep, smell your arm, smell something like that. Larry, you got some potato chips or something there, Larry. I like that. So then go to the beer. What are you smelling, Larry? What are you smelling? These are <laughs> these are some protein puff crunches that I ordered protein off of Shark crunches. Tank. Okay. That I ordered <laughs> off of Shark Tank. Awesome. They smell like shark. Can we talk about the? Can we talk about mouthfeel for a second? Yeah. Just because it is like this is like a thick, like almost creamy, like smooth. It's obviously okay. you said it's highly carbonated. It's very foamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very mm-hmm. thick. Are there what other are there other elements? Is it mainly the carbonation that does that, or are there other elements in the actual beer that are, in a way, I'd almost say it's like a heavy beer. Like, this is a like fantastic question. I'm so glad you're saying this stuff okay. because, well, Larry, what what are your thoughts on this, Larry? 
Well, that's why. Well, that's why I was trying to say umami, and it might be the wrong thing, but it like when it's in my mouth, it feels, it feels my mouth. Like it feels, okay. it doesn't feel light. Like mm-hmm. it's there. You know what okay. I mean? You this know, is... and all those kind of fatty. That's why I said umami is like that kind of fatty kind of like flavor sits on my palate. Okay. All right. Uh, Am I crazy? Fascinating to me because I I would call this a medium bodied beer. Okay. There are a couple things going on though. Because it's highly carbonated, it is it blows up in your mouth. It literally like a lot of the CO two comes out of solution when it hits your tongue. Okay. Your tongue is a very rough surface, and so dissolved CO two jumps out of solution and turns into a bubble. Okay. And so that can uh, literally puff up the beer and make it seem more filling. But the other thing it's doing is it's also stinging your tongue. It's hitting your trigeminal nerve that's in your tongue and, and starting to make your mouth go a little bit numb. Okay. And so that process makes it feel like a, a thicker, puffier beer a little bit just because you don't have quite that sensitivity anymore because you're numbed up a little bit. So that's one reaction to this beer. For me, the way I react to this beer when I, when I have a sip of it is, wow, that is just a, a real, whatever, a splash of, of carbonation that I want to get rid of a little bit so that I can taste the beer. I don't want to be so um, overwhelmed by that by that numbing sensation. So I swallow it and then I think about what I'm breathing out afterwards to try to smell it uh, retronasally so I get all those different aromas. Underneath all that CO2 is some acidity. There's a slight tinge of acidity that, I, that will go up, that will increase with age of the beer. So Maddie, yours should be a little bit more sour than Larry's. Acidity does not really affect mouthfeel, however, I mean, it's not, it doesn't balance things out, except that it makes you think that things are thinner and, and lighter in body, okay? It, it doesn't really like mix with sugar or it doesn't mix with uh, bitterness in a way that changes the mouthfeel. It mixes with fat, certainly, but there's no fat in this beer. But it just gives us a sensation of making things seem a little bit thinner and leaner and, and lighter bodied. The, the final thing I wanna introduce here is that because there's Britannomyces in there, Britannomyces, knows no carbohydrate that it cannot metabolize. That's to say that there are a lot of carbohydrates and starches and, and dextrins and things that are in beer that give beer body and mouthfeel and richness and viscosity that regular brewer's yeast cannot ferment, okay? But Britannomyces is not a regular brewer's yeast. It can ferment every sort of carbohydrate. It might take a long time to do it. It might take one or two years to get around to, to breaking down all these things. But what you're left with is a beer that is very dry, meaning it's got no sugar left in it. Uh, because the Britannomyces is consumed at all. And it's very lean. It's kind of thin and watery feeling because all those things that normally enrich uh, a beer with texture are typically missing because the Britannomyces has consumed them all. And so this beer gets lean. It's got a little bit of acidity. It's got lack of sugar. It's very dry. It's thin. So that's why that carbonation is there to help counteract some of that stuff. So there's a lot of different interaction going on with this beer that does change as it evolves with time. Um, but I find this beer almost refreshing. And it's interesting that you guys are describing it sort of like full-bodied and, and thick and mouth-coating. I don't think either of us is right or wrong. It's just yeah. this is a weird subjective thing where it's just we're trying to balance what, we, what information our tongues are telling us from things like carbonation versus acidity versus lack of, of sugar. I have another bottle. I'm going to, and I'll probably drink it tomorrow. I'm going to be interested what that tastes like having not had the, the shoof before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. then you'll have to reverse the experiment and have some Lachouf afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was going to say also, yeah, for the last, the, the, the classic exercise, I've got another bottle of this. And tonight, Rich, my wife Megan has tasked me with making dinner. 
All right. I want to impress my wife, who I love, and I've been We're married for six it. years. Love it. What? Love it. I'm gonna. I, we're gonna split the one bottle, I guess, of Orval in this scenario. What do I make her to perfectly pair with the Orval Trappist Ale? Well, I would wave a magic wand over it, make it into several bottles, and for start. for a starter course, I would have some uh, some raw oysters. Ooh, uh, she loves I would, those. She loves yeah, oysters. Oh, definitely put some uh, uh, shallots and parsley on them. Oh. And some salt, and then Ooh. move into a uh, salad with some uh, bitter greens, but definitely with some uh, some apple slices and some uh, some goat cheese would be pretty damn good. And then for uh, for main, how about a? Uh, ooh, I would go one of two directions. I would either go a um, linguine a la vongole, so with uh, clam sauce, you know, with like uh, with fresh clams. Um, and lots of olive oil and some garlic, or I would go uh, something rich like a um, like a uh, like a savory pie, like a chicken pot pie or a, a veggie pot pie or something like that. Get a lot of fat oh in there. God. Um, oh my god! Oh my god! The spear's going to cut right through all that. And then uh, let's see, should we get into dessert? Yeah. Definitely, you need a cheese course. He ain't cooking. Up. He ain't cooking all this. He ain't cooking all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, or, I'll order this. I'll order. This. Uh, oh I know man, I have a lobster. Lobster with any sort of butter, or blanc, oh, or something. Shut like that up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. You're gonna make me spend some money tonight. And then, uh, yeah, it likes fruit. It likes mushrooms. It likes seafood. It likes butter. It likes uh, starches. And what I mean by starches are things like you know pasta. Breads. I mean, shit. This would be incredible with uh, pizza, with um, you know, asparagus, and uh, oh. let's say asparagus and artichoke, just because those are some of the hardest things to pair with wine. Sommeliers hate doing uh, pairings with uh, asparagus or artichokes. Let's do them both, and this beer is going to be incredible with both on a on a nice pizza with some uh, some scallions and uh, olive oil, um, some garlic. Mm, let's do it. That's tasty. I'll be um, over at seven, Manny. It's definitely bitter. It's definitely bitter too. It's it bitter. Yeah, there's bitterness. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then also one other thing, because because just because this beer in particular, um, it's got like a long shelf life and the flavors change. If I was going to hold on to a bottle, like if I had especially like Larry's that was brewed in in 2021, um, what would be the best way to store it? How long do you think I could safely store it for before I should crack it open? Uh, I want to remove safely from that. Okay. That thing there is nothing unsafe about it but um definitely it's gonna be delicious 10 years from now okay so it doesn't it's not gonna go bad in like five years yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't sit on it for like 20 or 30 and expect it to be amazing it might be good or it might be bad who knows but um yeah 10 years is not a problem um it will uh continue to dry out and continue to get more and more savory and earthy Um, you'll start to lose some of that fruit it also end up uh some of that acidity will increase but eventually end up dropping and turn into a little bit of sort of a salty side to it so um that'll be a fun uh fun thing for it to age but uh it's just a different beer six months a year two cool. years three years and just throw it in the throw it in, throw it in the closet oh right right, right yeah or... uh, keep it dark for sure that's the most important thing keep it upright do not store it on the side it's a curvy bottle anyway so it's hard to store it on the side um, and, uh, don't refrigerate it. If you refrigerate it, you'll stop the evolution. So there's not really a point to that. Um, but it doesn't like heat, you know, it doesn't want to be like in your car, the trunk of your car at like 80 or 90 degrees. So cellar temp is, a th- is a thing. So 55 degrees is perfect for it. But if you can't hit that, don't, don't sweat it. Any, anywhere between 50 and 75 is, is fine. Great. Well, uh, thanks again to Mike for Absolutely suggesting again. this beer. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Great suggestion. Thank you, Mike. Oh, man, I love this beer. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. 
email us if you have any suggestions or DM us on Twitter. Um, email us at liquid, liquidredpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter at liquidredpod. And until next time, happy beering. Happy beering. Happy beering. Hey guys, episode's not done yet. Uh, after we'd stopped recording, Larry kept talking about the more unexpected flavors he'd been tasting, and Rich sensed something probably wasn't right, so I threw the record back on. It's just not much. You might actually, Larry, you might be getting a little bit of soy sauce aroma. Uh, or meat or broth aroma? Does it taste like meat broth or chicken broth? Broth. I definitely be... get broth. Yes. Okay. That yeah. is probably so. That's not umami. But usually, if you have a good chicken broth, you get umami. But what? Well, maybe maybe broth. I miss maybe I misunderstand umami. Well, so you're probably getting an autolyzed yeast character, which is not uncommon for beers that are bottle conditioned with yeast that are you know st- stored and handled in, in improperly. I and definitely so... get broth. I definitely get chicken broth. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's unfortunate. That that's called called autolysis, and you're getting aromas of that that are not supposed to be there. The brewers don't want that to be there. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so so maybe okay, okay. But that's okay. another reason why it might be extra savory for you. So you're not getting as much of that fruit. Mm-hmm. That might that might that might be the reason why. Yeah, Are you still recording, Manny? You could I turned it back. I turned it back on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to bring up the autolysis. It's sort of like but, this like uh, unfortunate part of of um, bottle conditioned beer that you sometimes is an issue. And it, well, I will say that's why I'm interesting to see what the other one tastes like because I definitely yeah. when you just said chicken broth, I do get I do get a lot of chicken broth. Yeah, well, that's also why I'm saying I've, I haven't tasted anything quite like this. It's, yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah. I guess that's also why it's important to buy from a. Because I, I went to like a bottle shop that I really like that I know like those guys who work there like uh, yeah. they care. I got this from Bevmo. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Ooh, Bevmo. <laughs> yeah, Bevmo does not do favors to to beer, unfortunately. Yeah, I definitely get that fucking soup thing you're talking about. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah, so Maddie, it's yeah. not just the retailer that you know where the beer might go bad. Yeah, handling. You know, yeah, of it course. can happen really anywhere along the line. But usually, it's when beer is in boxes. It's protected from light, and it's rare that it would get turned over and kicked around. It's when beers get pulled out of boxes, yeah, and just sitting bottles that they get knocked over, or you know, so, someone at, at the store picks it up off the shelf, and looks at it like on its side, and like shakes up that yeast that might mm. be at the bottom. It's only an issue for bottle conditioned beers because it's that yeast that's in there is what can end up breaking down and releasing some of those kind of savory, brothy, meaty soy sauce aromas. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunately. If it is going to happen anywhere, it's it's likely that it would be at the retailer. Gotcha. What's the name of the spot you go to, Maddie? I got to hit you up before. Um, I, I like Valley Beverage is my is my place out in the valley. Okay. It's basically, if I'm out in the valley, I pick the, it up. Yeah. you just because what you just said about chicken broth, this is what this tastes like. <laughs> tastes like to me. I completely. I should have flagged that when you were saying umami. Yeah, I should have. I should have thought of that. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. As long as I don't sound like an idiot. I'm happy to sound like you. Sound great. Yeah, you do. You do that most of the episode. I'm fine. Just yeah. running the episode today, man. Oh, only the happy bearing thing is when you sound like an idiot. Happy bearing. Happy.